her in demonstrating Jesus. But Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. And maybe, maybe I wasn't rejected because I failed as an evangelist, but instead, maybe it's because Jesus had chosen me out of the world. Maybe Christ in me was the cause I was no longer of the world. I wasn't conforming to its way. I wasn't accepting its values. <laughs> this is where I discovered the truth of Jesus that, that Taylor Swift sang about when she said, haters gonna hate. Jesus sets down this difficult reality for his followers. Clearly, honestly, he says, if you're with me, you're gonna be hated by the world. And he says this because, because God and the world represent these two conflicting kingdom philosophies. There's, there's no common ground between them. And, and to clarify, the world that Jesus is talking about here, he's not talking about the, the created physical universe. This is humanity apart from God the godless world, the, the godless world that values things that are opposite to Jesus, like the world values power, but Jesus says humility and service. The world says, look out for yourself, and Jesus says, love one another. The world says more and better, and Jesus says, share and sacrifice. These things that, that Jesus and his church treasure and seek, or what the, the world rejects as, as worthless. We can't serve God and the world at the same time. They're opposites. So, so when Jesus was here and he displayed these kingdom values in the middle of the world, by, by contrast then, he was exposing all of the world's values by his life, how he talked, how he acted. He was exposing the world and he was hated for it. Okay, let me say it this way. I go out for lunch with my husband, Sean, and I order a cheeseburger with everything on it and fries, poutine, and a huge Coke. And then Sean orders, and he orders a kale salad with dressing on the side and a water to drink. By his choice to eat that salad and my choice to eat that cheeseburger and fries, it, it's, it emphasizes, it fully discloses my unhealthy decision, right? my, my lack of discipline or self-control. It's, it's all out in the open. And in this moment, I don't like Sean very much. And the same is true here for Jesus. The religious leaders at the time, they, they hated him because he made them look bad. And they hated Jesus for his goodness because it exposed their greed and their selfishness. And they hated his, his deep and beautiful insight because it emphasized their duplicity. And they hated his, his grace and his compassion because it, it pointed out their, their hypocritical legalism. When you're not in the world, 
or when you're in the world, but not of it, this will invite hate. Jesus said, starting at verse 20, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. So again, let's say it this way. Maybe all you guys came out for lunch with me and Sean, and I order my cheeseburger, and Sean orders his salad, and then you all decide that you want to have a salad too, just like Sean. How do you think I'm going to feel about you as I'm eating my greasy burger the same way I felt about Sean? Your salad represents the same thing to me, and that's what Jesus is saying to us here, that when we live all out for him and we're acting like him and saying things like him, he says there is no special treatment for his followers. We also can face difficulty, and there's no getting around it. We can expect to experience what we see in Jesus. Jesus said that some listen to him, so some will listen to us. And he said that some insulted, rejected, persecuted him. And so some will insult, reject, and persecute us. As Jesus' followers, we're living on God's terms. We don't live on the world's terms. Living like Jesus is to be unselfish, it's loving, it's gracious, it's helpful. And because of this, we stand out from the world. When he said, I chose you out of the world, the verb in the Greek, Jesus is literally saying, I chose you for myself. He, he said that in him we are separate and distinct and different. You know, I read that if you put a hen with different markings into a pen with a bunch of hens who are all alike, all those other pen, hens will peck the hen with the different markings to death. To be different can be dangerous. People often dislike what they don't understand. The world will reject what it's opposed to. And Jesus tells us that we can expect hatred and, and persecution and opposition. In verse 21, he says, they will treat you this way because of my name. They do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But as it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. And this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. <laughs> the kind of position that Jesus is talking about here, it kind of reminds me of something that, that my son Harry, who's 14, did uh, recently. He caught a cold. I guess it was the week before last. And so he had a couple of days at home. And he feels better and he goes back to school by the end of the week. Well, by the weekend, he decides that he wants to go to Halloween Haunt at Wonderland with his friends. So I say, Harry, do you think that's wise when you're just getting over a cold to spend six hours in cold, damp weather? And he says, I'm fine, I wanna go, he's going, throws on a hoodie, not even his jacket, even though I asked him, and off he goes. Well, guess who's been home every day this past week, in bed, sick as a dog, and now on antibiotics? Harry, because he has no one to blame but himself for this, right? He is without excuse. And in fact, when I asked him if I could share this story about him, he said, sure, mom, 
it was totally worth it. And I think, this kid is so smug, right? Rejecting any obvious correction. And in spite of his terrible condition, like he felt awful. He feels totally justified. And it reminds me of what Jesus is saying here about how the people are acting. The Jewish leaders, they're, they're consciously, like deliberately rejecting him out of, out of arrogance and, and self-righteousness. Jesus clearly said who he was and clearly demonstrated who he was. His life, his miracles, they were unlike any other. He exposes sin, he demonstrated power over nature, over sickness, over demons. He performed these incredible miracles. And, and they all saw these signs of God, and they hated him anyway. They hated him for no good reason. Jesus was doing good things. And this, this verified the truth of the scriptures. Jesus is pointing out what it says in Psalm 69.4. They hate it for no reason. This, this very law that these guys are claiming to, to uphold and obey, ironically, is prophesying of their own sin. Hating Jesus, hating the Father. It's the same thing, hating God, the Father, and the Son are one. And even though Jesus' whole life and his ministry was out before them, a display of God, they willfully did not recognize his, his divine origin or his nature. And so they stand in opposition to him, so convinced of their position. And Jesus warns us, the same will be true for us. Christ followers can, can face, uh, or can expect to face this kind of arrogant hostility. Dangerous hostility, hatred, persecution. And, and what Jesus is unpacking for his followers here is, it's really hard. This is raw and heavy. And so Jesus offers comfort in the middle of this. He says, I have help for the hated. Verse 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and, he will all, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So we, we have this promise, Jesus gives from the Father the spirit of truth for every believer, working in us and for us and through us for the glory of God. And he is reassuring them that in spite of their circumstances, their, their experiences of the world's hatred and persecution and hostility, that they will have the presence and the power of God. And the disciples will be able to share about Jesus. They've been with him from the beginning and they have an intimate relationship with him. But it doesn't just simply rest on them and their sharing of, of their memories of him and, and demonstrating those things that, that he did. This is by the, the spirit, his power, his presence through them. Right, the spirit who, who gives words when we don't know what to say. The, the spirit who illuminates the mind to comprehend God's beautiful truth. The spirit convinces and, and exposes sin. The spirit who brings understanding to those heavenly things, those things that Jesus was doing. Well, it's the spirit who makes that plain to us 
It's the Spirit who guides and makes, makes known to us why Jesus had to suffer. What is God's divine plan for, for salvation? The, the, the eternal significance of, of his death and his resurrection, that's, that is the spirit, spirit making it plain to us. And the spirit within us who, who speaks to our spirit and comforts us and reassures us and reminds us of who we are and our eternal life together with him. So yes, while there is a certainty of difficulty for every follower of Christ, we, we do not bear it alone. Jesus makes available to every believer every help, every support, every encouragement for every need through his Holy Spirit in us. And Jesus is saying this because he knows what's, what's coming up, what's next. He's preparing his disciples for the difficult times that are ahead. In John 16, one through four, he says, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming where anyone, when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. So do you know that um, Navy SEALs, they use something that's called emergency conditioning, and it's a training technique that essentially tricks uh, your brain into thinking it's already gone through a difficult situation. So they have soldiers who imagine these different difficult scenarios, and they ask them to walk through those details in their mind. And, and they do this, so when they actually do it, it doesn't seem as scary or as stressful. It's to, to improve their response when they meet an emergency situation. Because it's easier to, to face a, a difficult task when you know you're about to face a difficult task. Jesus tells them, they'll kick you out of the synagogue. You may be disowned by family or friends, shut out in the name of devotion to God, and, and this is no small thing. The house of God in, in the Jewish life was such a special place. So this is like utterly isolating. These are people so jealous for their own power that they hate and humiliate and kill in the name of God. After Jesus' death, we see this in the early church. The Jewish people who believed that they were on God's side, they violently killed Christ's followers. Paul himself hounded God's church, and he made it clear that anyone who wanted to live a godly life in Jesus would be persecuted. Or the Romans, the Roman government hated the Christians because they believed them to be disloyal. Uh, the people of Rome had a custom where uh, you burn a pinch of uh, incense and you declare Caesar is Lord. Well, the Christians wouldn't do this. Jesus is Lord, so they wouldn't say Caesar is Lord. And because of their refusal to conform to this, the Romans classified them as unpatriotic and therefore dangerous. And so they did things like lie about them. There was a huge fire in Rome that they blamed on the Christians. They slandered them. They did things like call them um, cannibals because of the practice of, of communion. 
The Romans did terrible things to Christians, burning them alive, feeding them to wild animals. They arrested them, imprisoned them, tortured them, killed them. The apostles themselves, I, I read stories. James, the older brother of John, beheaded. John himself was boiled in oil. He didn't die, he lived out his days in exile. Matthew was murdered with an ax, Mark torn to pieces by an angry mob. Luke was hanged. Paul beheaded, Peter crucified. It's been said upside down, he didn't wanna die like our Lord. Andrew, his brother, was crucified also, but his story is a little bit different. They uh, didn't whip him at first. Um, like they did with Jesus, and they did that deliberately, so when they crucified him, it would take longer for him to die, that he would be tortured um, for longer, and, and they coupled that with crucifying him on an X instead of a, a T, because uh, again, it, it would take longer to die in that way, and so Andrew hung for two days, and all of this done by leaders who are claiming that they're doing God a favor, Right? And, and these horrible stories are just the stories of the leaders of the, the early church when we think about the years and the years and years of atrocities that, that have been justified in the name of Christ. Even today, today we know there are thousands, thousands around the world who love Jesus and are unjustly imprisoned and tortured and tormented and killed. It's common for Christians throughout the world. I think it's hard for us to, to consider this because this, this kind of persecution is, is a pretty foreign experience for, for most of us here in Canada. You know, as of, as of now, we don't fear uh, physical persecution, but we certainly do attract disdain and hatred and contempt. There is an increasing hostility towards the Christian faith. The, the public opinion and the, the influence of evangelical Christianity has been st steadily declining uh, through the years. And, and many of us have, have personally experienced some kind of suffering because of our faith, being cut out of a social group or being publicly embarrassed or misrepresented or made fun of. Some of us have been denied a job as a result of our faith. And it's... It's with this ruthless honesty that, that Jesus tells his followers of, of what, what to expect. This is no pros prosperity, easy going kind of gospel. True discipleship will involve hatred and hostility and persecution. It's like a quote that I read about the siege of Rome in 1849. Garibaldi needs recruits, and so he says, I offer neither pay, nor quarters, nor provisions. I offer hunger, thirst, forced marches, battles, and death. Let him who loves his country in his heart and not with his lips only follow me. And they did. They joined by the hundreds. And so Jesus offers. Now his is not the way of ease, but it is the way to glory, the way to life. You need to know, it can feel like affliction, like suffering, like rejection, like insult. You may even be mistreated, imprisoned. It may even mean death. And he invites us to remember this, so when it happens, we're not taken by surprise. He says, being caught off guard, you can fall away. 
well warned is to be well prepared. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a challenging word for us today. It's hard. It's hard to be hated. I, I think if we're being honest, in a, in a perfect world, we would, we would prefer to be liked, wouldn't we? Aren't we wired for belonging? And, and I think because of this, we can face the, the temptation to keep our feelings of being loved and accepted intact. And, and we can try different things to try and do that in our life. I suspect some of us have held out a secret hope that somehow we could be loved by God and the world, that we could gain <laughs> Jesus and not lose any friends. That God would change our life and, and the lives of others through us, but certainly not our, our social network or our reputation or our lifestyle. And so we, we kind of straddle the line. Perhaps we try to fit in sometimes more than stand out. Maybe compromise just a little. Muted our, our light a little. Reduced our fragrance a little. Flattened out our salty flavor a little. And let's face it, it can be difficult to stand out, to speak truth and, and run the risk of, of being called uh, fanatical or intolerant or self-righteous. Or perhaps for some of us, we've, we've avoided it by hiding from it. You know, when, when you're living in the world but, but not of it, the world can, can then become this place that's, that's out there. Right? We, we subtly lose touch with it just a little bit. We no longer have any friends who don't know Jesus. Our calendars are full of commitments with other Christians, and we have allowed the spiritual separation from the world to create this actual physical chasm in our life. Uh, perhaps some of us have avoided it by spending all of our time trying to, trying to correct it. People pleasing, being preoccupied with it, wounded by it, why am I being treated like this? Has God forgotten about me? <laughs> These are all really true feelings that we experience. I don't, I don't know about you, but I relate in here. There are times, but, but true discipleship will mean hostility from the world. Carl Truman said, a man without enemies is a man without honor. And I think for us, this might be a Christian without enemies is a servant unlike their Lord. It is good to give pause in our, in our lives to see and, and evaluate. Have we ever given offense to anyone for his name's sake? To take note if anyone despises our, our faith, our zeal, our devotion to Christ to examine if, if everyone is only ever speaking well of us. Because these things will help us to see if we're finding it too hard to be hated. And when we operate out of this humanly perspective, though, it will seem impossible, impossible to step, step into because being hated is hard. But if we look at this from a heavenly perspective, 
we can discover that yes, while it is still hard, we can, we can also find happiness in being hated. We can find hope in it. And I know that sounds crazy, but let me tell you why. John 16, 4, Jesus said, I am telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. We will remember. We can find hope in hate when we remember what he said to us here in these verses. What did he say? The first thing he said is, he chose us. He said, I have chosen you out of this world. We are chosen by him. We belong to him. We are dearly loved by God. And the same Jesus who, who chose those disciples for the purpose of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, so he chooses you for his great purpose. He decided upon you. He, he planned for you before the earth was ever created. He formed you at exactly the right time and he calls you by name now, today, in this time for him. You are chosen, chosen and loved by God. And so when we remember our position in Christ, then we will anticipate the world's antagonism and expect hostility. We'll be a people who are not only willing to love, but a people also willing to be hated. This is how Jesus accomplished his mission, and this is the only way that ours will be accomplished. Remembering we are chosen by our, our sovereign king, king over all things, that he would, he would choose us. This gives us assurance and it roots us and it prepares us to more easily respond in those ways that Jesus invites us to respond, like loving our enemies, doing good, lending, expecting nothing in return, heaping goodness and, and kindness rather than fear or sorrow or anger or regret. No, we intentionally live in our God-given identity. And in the same ways that, that our Father loves towards us, which is generously and graciously, even when we are at our worst with him. So we live generously and graciously to others when they are at their worst. We witness the love of God and preach the good news and spend our lives in service to others because we have been chosen. And this will mean being continuously confronted in a hostile wor world, but, but we are a chosen people. And, and not only are we chosen, what else does he say to remember? That we are the image bearers of Christ. Jesus said, if they persecute me, they will persecute you also. We reflect and express Jesus in the world. Every time that, that people put us down or exclude us or speak lies or get disrespectful, this means 
that his truth in us and through us, it is being seen. Blessed are you when they hate and exclude you for his name's sake. Blessed are you when haters hate because it is the very evidence that we are his. It affirms that that Jesus can be seen and experienced through us, our character and our conduct, our very lives. We are image bearers of him in the world. And it shows that we're getting too close for comfort with people, like those Jewish leaders responding to Jesus that way. And and heaven is applauding this, because we are different and, and noticeable. Our witness can be seen. We are keeping good company with the prophets and the apostles, with Christ himself. And this is why there are so many verses in the Bible that invite us to what seems to be humanly impossible acts of rejoicing when persecution happens or being glad or counting ourselves blessed when we're slandered. It is because it is the very evidence that we are in him. And and it is here that we can hang on to this in, in a great hope Because when we experience hostility, it's the evidence of a holy God and his kingdom increasing upon the earth. That's why Paul and Silas could sing in prison. Because if they were in there, then that meant that God was on the move. And that's why Peter and the apostles rejoiced and preached the gospel after they were beat up and imprisoned. It's because that hatred against them was the very evidence that Jesus was taking ground. And that's why every time that we meet hostility in his name, we can count it joy because it is the visible evidence that the kingdom of the world is pushing back against the kingdom of God upon the very earth. If hostility in the world is rising up against Christianity, it's because the goodness of God has set it off. Jesus said, he will build his church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And every attempt from every ruthless tyrant to stamp out Jesus has failed. Every force created to to withstand its advance has been driven back. Throughout history, we have seen times of persecution, but also we have seen times of great growth, of seasons of of powerful revival, seasons of a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the earth throughout the years. Jesus has multiplied his church and he will continue to do so. His kingdom reigns forevermore. Amen? And he said, remember, Remember what I said. What else did he say? He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send from the Father. So we remember, not only are we chosen, not only are we the image bearers of Christ, but we carry resurrection power for kingdom purposes. We are people empowered by the Holy Spirit of a living God. And he can do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine through us. Our witness, remember, comes from the power of the Spirit. Our witness comes from our intimacy with Jesus. Like those disciples did, they spent time with him. So does ours. 
We are living, breathing testimonies of God's transformation. <laughs> and we are fueled, our everyday lives are fueled by his, his miraculous resurrection power. We, we are overflowing by his abundant risen power for us, the church. So our, our thoughts, our, our words, our actions, they, they flow from him and for him. And we're not alone, ever. He promises us his presence when the world is against us and we are facing hostility. He says that he is for us, he will never leave us, he is with us. And so in the face of adversity, just, just like those disciples, we are kingdom bringers of his good news. We, we say the course and, and remember, we remember we are chosen by God. We are image bearers of Christ. We have resurrection power from the Holy Spirit. We are chosen by God. We are image bearers of Christ. We have resurrection power from the Holy Spirit. And by our remembering, we don't lose heart. We don't fall away. We have hope. Hope to, to embrace our, our radical calling. And, and while it's hard to be hated, yes, in him, it is still possible to find joy and, and hope, even in the most difficult of circumstances. So when hostility rages and, and you feel like you just might fall away, Jesus says, Remember, we are chosen by God. We are image bearers of Christ. We have resurrection power from the Holy Spirit. And by this, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, we witness and we testify our good news of Jesus. And we can't forget what the, church, what the world will exclude God calls blessed. He promises, he says, the kingdom of heaven is yours. Our reward will be great. Christ forevermore. Let's pray.